So last week we ended our sermon, uh, our time together, talking about Joseph and his family. They had gone to Egypt. They were comfortable. Joseph was in a leadership position because of what he had done for um, the Egyptians in helping them to prepare and make it through a famine. And they um, they, they were all safe and protected and had more than what they needed. But the book of Exodus starts by saying that there is a new king who does not remember Joseph. And in fact, looks around at these Israelites and is concerned because they're strong and they're growing in number. They outnumber the Egyptians and so out of fear, they make them slaves. Later in Exodus, we'll have Moses in the basket and the water. Exodus just, it takes, it takes a dark turn here from singing toucans. But um, we know that Moses was in a, floating in a basket the water because the Egyptians were um, killing all of the firstborn sons um, to, again, try to tap down population. We've got the burning bush, though, where God calls Moses to this task of deliverance. We have the plagues to show Pharaoh that God was really serious about letting his people go. Pharaoh relents to let the Israelites go after a series of these awful plagues, um, actually kicks them out. In verse 1233, it says, the the Egyptians urged the people to hasten their departure from their land. (laughs) And the Israelites used the opportunity to collect all the things they might need for starting over. Um, They take everything, they take the Egyptians for everything they're worth, but taking everything that they have worked for in building up um, the economy of the Egyptians. So they, they take gold and silver and clothing. Um, it's a payment for the work that they've been doing over the generations. As for their own belongings, though, they're said to have taken bread that had been left out that wasn't even had, had not even been left out long enough to rise, unleavened bread. Um, It said that once they left Egypt, they cooked these unleavened or unrisen cakes, but that they hadn't prepared any other provisions for themselves. In this haste, though, in gathering their belongings quickly, the women packed the musical instruments. What we know is the Israelites have wandered a little bit in the desert and the Egyptians decide, hey, this wasn't a good idea. How are we going to get all this work done? Let's go back. Let's go out and get those Israelites and bring them back. And so they chase after the Israelites into the desert and the Israelites immediately forget how awful things were in Egypt. And they ask Moses, why did you bring us out here to die? We would have been better left where we were. And Moses' response is one of my favorite verses in all of Scripture. He says to them, Do not be afraid. Stand firm and see the deliverance that the Lord will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to keep still. Moses is commanded to lift his hands and his staff, and the Israelites walk through the Red Sea on their own. And the Egyptians don't make it when the water comes crashing down on them. On the other side of this moment, if you look in your Bible, um, you have this really long text that is called the Song of Moses. 
Um, it's thought by many scholars that this was added later to our uh, scriptures, to what we have as scriptures, um, that it was added to be read when the story of Exodus um, was read, when the Passover was told. But there's also this text, those two verses um, that Michael read earlier that are believed to be more accurate to the original. Um, picture that the Hebrews have just crossed through this sea. Um, the Egyptians did not. And now Miriam, because she's the leader of the people, she's called a prophet here, took a tambourine in her hand and all the women went out after her with tambourines and with dancing. They have this moment of celebration, celebration that we know from other historical documents was actually part of the Passover celebration for Jewish people. The playing of tambourines, dancing and playing drums um, as an act of celebration was just as important as actually reading the Passover story. Um, Passover was a feast, it still is a feast that's celebrated by Jewish people. In it, they read the story of Exodus, of what God has done, so they do not forget. But also a part of the earliest celebrations, scholars have learned that, that not only was there worship in the readings, but there was also celebration. And leading and participating in those celebrations, were, um, it was an honor to be selected to do that. There's a few Hebrew words for feast. One is chag. I think I'm saying that right. You've all heard my Hebrew and Greek story. I didn't do well in either one, but I think that's right. It means to circle, as in to circle, dance, or feast. Chagim, which is the plural, uh, are to be celebrated before the Lord in a joyous party atmosphere with singing, dancing, and processions. The tradition of singing and dancing as part of the Passover feast comes from this scripture that was read earlier. It continues the celebration that was led by Miriam after they crossed the Red Sea. But why are we talking about celebration this morning? The word feels like it's on fire. The economy is struggling. We're still in a pandemic. <laughs> Life is hard, and the way that we celebrate feels like it's been changed permanently. I think each one of you has some kind of celebration that you've, you've put on pause or not been able to enjoy in the way that you had planned to or hoped to. What is there to celebrate? And, and if we did want to celebrate in our capitalistic society it's the only purpose that celebration has is the money that we spend or the power that we can show our culture doesn't value celebration it's seen as frivolous or unimportant or seen as kid stuff this week i watched a video of a woman in a war-torn area of africa she watched her best friend be beheaded and they handed her the head afterwards She's adopted 25 children that have been orphaned during this war. But she's also led a movement for rebuilding and for thriving in her village. She said, love has made me an inventor. In her village, she's worked to build their kind of version of a cinema, a barber shop, so that people can have their hair cut and feel good about the way that they look, a swimming pool for fun and play, and even a morgue so that people can gather and honor their dead. 
She said that people want to make donations and always ask her, why is cinema? The war will just tear it down. She said, I tell them, why do you always have to just give us clothes or food? We can dream also. The celebration and fun that the cinema, that the barber shop, that the swimming pool all give, give space for dreaming or, or something beyond the war that they know right now. Celebration is a spiritual act that gives us space to see what's possible, what can be. Notice that the Israelites haven't reached the promised land yet. They've just gotten out of Egypt and just had a kind of terrifying experience as they're chased down and then whatever happens at the Red Sea. But Miriam grabs a tambourine right now to mark this moment. They don't know what's going to happen next, but it is tambourine time right now. (laughs) So how do we practice this spiritual discipline of celebration? First, it's this shift in mindset. We have to see the celebration first. We have to choose celebration. I remember, Ellie, I'm about to talk about you. Last year, as we were approaching the holidays, when we would talk about Thanksgiving and Christmas and all of the fun of the holidays, Ellie only would talk about her birthday. Everything was seen through the lens of her birthday. That was all the celebration. That was what she was looking for. It was a season of Ellie. That was how she was choosing to celebrate. It was beautiful. The anticipation of her own celebration was the lens that she saw everything else through. I've learned how to create a lens of celebration in my house. I have a little dog named Bug, a chihuahua, who is incredibly loyal uh, to me, to our home, even to our neighborhood. When we walk out, he is automatically looking for any person or thing or car or object that is out of place. He is going to let everybody know it. Last night, we walked out, and there was a poor guy who was walking along, and like Bug like just chose violence as we're walking out the door and like starts chasing out. I mean, I've got him on a leash, but he starts going after The guy turned around in terror, and then he saw Bug, um, who's, you know, this big. But I've learned that if I act excited when somebody's going to show up at the house, um, even uh, Still, the doorbell is like an act of war. But if I can get him excited enough, when somebody comes in, it doesn't take him time to warm up. He just gets excited. So I thought this week I would I would try it with somebody he'd never met before, a male he'd never met before. Uh, a plumber was coming. My shower broke. And um, so I decided to start getting bug worked up before the plumber came. Bug, we have a new friend that's coming. Are you so excited? We have a new friend. And so by the time the plumber got there, Bug was doing his like thing where he just wags his tail and it moves his whole body around. He followed the guy into the bathroom like he had a new best friend. I created a lens of celebration, and so there was nothing to fear in that moment. There was just something to look forward to. The shift in mindset is creating a lens to see celebration. We've all heard kind of the cliche phrase, we we often can't choose what happens to us, but we can choose how we respond to it. It's creating a filter for how we see what we're in the midst of or what is about to happen. 
It's a choice to see the good, to see the positive things for us, to see how God is at work. How can you create a a lens of excitement or celebration for seeing the good in what is happening in your life? The second action for this spiritual discipline of celebration is to pack the tambourines. It is to plan for the celebration. Those women in scripture were gathering their belongings to leave Egypt. Can you imagine the fear and the terror as they're trying to pack what's necessary, but not having enough time to really give it any thought? But in some moment, they they pack the musical instruments to plan to celebrate, to plan to worship. How do I know that? That We're not told that. But we are told that the minute that they cross through, the minute that the waters come back together, that Miriam took a tambourine in her hand. Where where does she get that tambourine? They're in the middle of the desert. Somebody had to think ahead to pack the tambourine. They anticipated needing to worship and celebrate. Years ago, when I was interviewing for my first pastorate, a little bit down the road here. Um, I had been in a season of interviewing for jobs. I was much better about creating celebration because it was really hard. It was hard to do that work over the span of a couple years to, to figure out what was next. And so I had planned a whole day around, um, <laughs> I wish you could see the looks that are happening back here at the table. Um, it, if you, um, I had planned a whole day of some, with some celebration. I knew it was going to be a hard day. Um, I was coming uh, to preach at this church and preach in view of a call, as they call it in the Baptist church. I was going to preach, and then they were going to vote on whether they thought I did a good enough job and if they wanted me to be their new pastor. So no pressure there. I had a few friends, so there were some familiar faces that joined me that morning. But I had planned a dinner out later that evening and so i had called friends that that were going to meet me out at pf chang's and we were going to have a fancy dinner at pf chang's together one of the friends that was going to meet me was telling her sister what she had that evening and her sister said well have you talked to her did she get the job that's going to be awkward if if she did if they didn't vote for her And, and my friend jen said you know what if i know charity No matter whether they voted yes or no today, we will find something to celebrate tonight at P.F. Chang's. So we're going to go. I wish I could always be like that. I'm not always like that. But during this season of my life, when I got rejected from a job I was interviewing for, I would plan to go out and have a dinner celebration when I got rejected to say, you know what, I'm going to celebrate the clarity. That wasn't the right fit for me. It wasn't where God was leading. What did I learn about myself in this process? process. How can you plan for celebration in your life? Let me say, I don't mean this as a toxic kind of positivity, glossing over how hard things are. But how do you dream? How do you create love and space for creativity? How do you plan for the spiritual discipline of celebration? How do you celebrate and honor the work of God in your life Even in the midst of hard things, how do you pack the tambourines? Brene Brown says in Dare to Lead, when we feel joy, it is a place of incredible vulnerability, 
I want to read that again. When we feel joy, it is a place of incredible vulnerability. It's beauty and fragility and deep gratitude and impermanence all wrapped up in one experience. When we can't tolerate that level of vulnerability, joy actually becomes foreboding. And we immediately move to self-protection. It's as if we grab vulnerability by the shoulders and say, you will not catch me off guard. You will not sucker punch me with pain. I will be prepared and ready for you. So when joyful, something joyful happens, we start planning on being hurt. We start planning to deal with the fear of disappointment. Is this helpful? Of course not. <laughs> it takes courage to celebrate. But life without celebration is just a, a life of just wandering around the desert, moving from one calamity to another. This morning, let's grab the tambourines and celebrate. Let's have the courage. This isn't just kid stuff. While the world and life are so hard around us, let us engage in the spiritual discipline of, of laughing, feeling joy, and celebrating what God has done, what God has given us, even in the us that God has created. Let us be people who can dream also. Will you pray with me?